and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I'm Stella. We are recording live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Um, and we're going to finish up the uh, conversation about the boundary of sex. Um, and I, hopefully it's not, you know, an end to your interactions and conversations with um, regarding the boundary of sex. But I felt like last week um, there was so much left to talk about. And so I wanted to uh, just share a little bit more. And certainly as the writing has gone on, uh, I recognize that there it's just a, a very large um, topic. So uh, I was telling my Instagram viewers that I have been reading a book uh, currently about um, a young woman who goes on a national parks trip in the United States uh, called Feral. And I pulled it up and now I lost it again. Uh, so the book is called Feral, Losing Myself and Finding My Way or something in National Parks um, by Emily Pennington. And, uh, you know, she had shared a story about getting a massage and how um, the massage therapist, who was a male, kind of pushed her boundaries significantly and made her super uncomfortable. And so I do want to talk about like how our people pleasing codependency nature sometimes really lends itself to predatory sexual behavior or um, getting really uncomfortable in certain spaces. Um, and so really when we think about the boundaries that we set up with regards to our body, the who, uh, when, where and how much, um, I think a lot of it is tied up into how we feel about ourselves and what kind of validation we are seeking. Uh, she talks about being a people pleaser and how she kind of let things go on a little bit more in the massage than she wanted. Um, and I think that, you know, like I said before, we're talking about adults here, we're talking about consenting humans. Um, but that concept of our codependency and being a people pleaser and how we interact with other humans definitely affects whether or not we set a boundary or communicate a boundary. Because a lot of times, um, you know, we stay silent or complacent or acquiesce or give in when we are wanting other people's validation, acceptance, and approval, even if it's a stranger. Um, and, you know, I talked a lot about that during the physical, physical boundary of, you know, um, letting someone get really close to your body when they're talking to you. Um, one of the things that I was writing about was, you know, certain advances from people and um, it can get, kind of go on. We talk about uh, harassment in the workplace um, or in any space, right? Like sometimes it'll be someone who like you go to a party or you, you hang out with a group of friends and there's a person that's like constantly hitting on you and making you feel uncomfortable. Um, that's an opportunity to really kind of state like, hey, I don't like it when you do those things. Um, one of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about this, specific to, uh, you know, the massage and, you know, scene in, in Feral by Emily Pennington, um, was that oftentimes we carry a lot of shame about the things that we have allowed to happen because we are people pleasers, because we feel uncomfortable uh, saying no or fuck off or I don't like that or whatever it is you know, we, we feel a lot of shame. And so one of the things she did, she called her friend, you know, right after and kind of talked about it, um, which, uh, 
Brene Brown talks about how shame lives and survives in secrecy and survives in the shadows. A lot of times when people have um, unwanted sexual advances or sexual assault or abuse, they don't talk about it. Um, And part of that is because they have a significant amount of shame about allowing something to happen. I'm using air quotes because a lot of times it's not that we have allowed it. We didn't consent or say yes. We just weren't able to say no in that space. We weren't able to create a boundary. We weren't able to say, I don't like that. I don't want that. You know, don't touch me. Don't get so close to me. Sometimes these things happen over time and we aren't really able to say no because we don't want people to think that we're a problem or we don't want people to think that we are, um, you know, overly sensitive or whatever it is. And so this particular boundary really highlights those things um, because they think a lot of times, and again, from that people pleaser, you know, kind of codependency space, if our needs aren't met and we just want connection validation, we sometimes allow things to go on longer than, than they probably should or longer than we're comfortable with because we don't want to be a problem. And that directly relates to our codependency. Um, I think a lot of times too, um, in, in high school and, and when we're younger, um, we allow things to happen because we want to be part of the cool crowd. We want people to think of us as, uh, you know, kind and amenable and, and whatever. And so that people pleasing nature really does lend itself to a lot of predatory behavior. Um, now this is in an ideal world, in ideal circumstances, we are not talking about uh, people who have um, you know, been survivors of abuse or uh, sexual assault or whatever. You know, I'm talking about just like not having experienced those things. Now certainly having experienced those things changes the sexual boundary in relationships um, because again, you know, if someone has taken your choice in consenting to a situation, a lot of times, uh, then we have certain triggers or feelings about circumstances as it relates to our body. And yet we still want to have connection. We still want to connect with our partners or people around us. Um, and it's difficult to communicate those things. Cause again, there's a layer of shame. There's a layer of guilt. There's a layer of um, feeling as though there is something wrong with us. And because sex is such a kind of taboo topic in a lot of spaces, we're not able to communicate our needs or our experiences. And especially, you know, with a new partner and because we don't want to be a problem because we don't want to, um, create tension or, or make them feel a certain type of way. Sometimes we acquiesce to things or we give in to certain situations um, that we're not ready for or that we don't really want. Coffee. Um, And so I think those are also part of the conversation in how we communicate what our needs are and where we are coming from when we share our bodies in that intimate sexual way. So I didn't want to leave the conversation last time without kind of talking about those those situations and circumstances. Um, it's, it's difficult to, to really recognize that this is the most intimate way of connecting with another human slash humans. Um, but it's tied up in a lot of things. And a lot of times it's tied up in how we feel about ourselves. Um, when we are 
raised in, in situations and circumstances where our self-concept or our self-esteem is really low, um, we start to recognize that, you know, maybe our only worth and value or the only way people will connect or communicate with us is through validation in that way, in that sexual way. Um, and even if it's not overtly sexual, um, having people looking at us in or being attracted to us is a way of checkmarking our validation, right? Well, at least they find me attractive in this way. Um, I was thinking about people who have um, a lot of followers or have only seen in a one-dimensional way that our worth and value is based on our attractiveness or our sexuality. Um, it's really difficult because if you were raised in a, you know, an environment where you have to be quiet and be pretty, or you have to just, you know, stand there and, and be attractive, but there's not a lot of validation for what's going on in your brain or, you know, in your soul or your heart, um, that really does limit then how you feel validated. Um, and it, it's, it makes things very difficult when a lot of people are focused on what you look like in clothes, in, or, you know, in an environment, and they're not asking, like, tell me about what is exciting for you. Tell me about what you're passionate about. Tell me about, you know, who you are as a human being when they're really focused on you're so pretty. Um, I think a lot of times when we are validated in that way, it minimizes all of the other ways that we are valuable humans on the planet. Um, and it starts when we're very small, right? Like I think when we are focused on, for example, little girls and how cute they are, um, we're placing a lot of value on what they look like as opposed to, you're so curious, look at you with your brain and your problem solving and all of those things. And we value little boys and little girls in different ways. And of course, we're different as beings on the planet, um, but those stereotypical compliments then start to place value on who that human and individual is. And it gets significantly more stressful as we continue to grow if you're only if the only focus on who you are and what your value is is on what you look like. Um, and so that definitely lends itself into how you set boundaries about who you are as a human being if the focus has always been on what you look like, right? And, you know, obviously when you're small, it's, oh, you're so cute and look at you, you know, you have big, beautiful eyes and, you know, great hair and all the things. As you get older, and if those are the only compliments that you've been given, you start to then recognize that that's the only thing you have to offer the world. And it's difficult because we do live in a society that places a lot of value on what we look like and then whether or not we're attractive and the attractiveness is based on sexuality, right? And that makes it really difficult then to feel as though you have anything else to offer to another human to be validated, to be, um, you know, accepted, to be loved, if everybody is ever focused on what you look like. Um, and it, it gets really messy too, because, um, you know, certainly in, in the world that we live in, as a woman, um, a lot of times people are communicating with us based on what we look like. 
Uh, catcalling is disgusting and it happens all the time, whereas we are then valued based only on our attractiveness and sexuality to another individual or human being. It happens all over the world. And it's really interesting to me because I just got back from traveling. Um, and there are certain environments where as a woman, I felt uncomfortable um, walking where there were spaces where there were exclusively men. Um, in Greece, there's all day long, there's old men sitting at coffee shops. They don't really pay attention to you. In Italy, um, every man there is just constantly leering at, uh, at women. Um, and at, in, at any age, it's very curious to me. And I, I was walking around just kind of paying attention to it. Um, at one point, I was followed um, by a man in a car who just kept trying to talk to me. Um, which was really uncomfortable because I was walking around it was broad daylight. It was a Sunday. Um, and he, you know, he pulled over, didn't know that I, I mean, I think I stand out as an American. I don't know. Anyway, he was talking to me through the car and he was like, Hey, do you want to ride? You should get in. And I was like, no. And I just kept walking. Um, and then he followed and circled around again and then, um, continued to kind of talk to me. And he's like, Hey, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? And he was speaking to me in English. Um, and at a certain point I was walking down a pretty busy street. Um, and so I pulled over and I talked to this woman and I was like, Hey, can you talk to me for a second? She happened to speak English, which was really great. Um, and she and I had a really great interaction, but it's that kind of attention that is unwanted and happens all the time, uh, to women. And, and it, it happens to a degree to men, I can imagine. Um, but that is where setting boundaries and really being conscientious of like what is happening, um, is, is important for women, especially, and, and young girls. I remember, um, you know, hitting that certain point of maturity where our bodies are changing and all of the things, and, and certainly with my child um, and my siblings, where the attention that they were getting started to be different. And it wasn't just, oh, you're so cute. But then it was like men, grown men, looking at my child, who was 12 at the time, uh, we were in a restaurant and she was going to go to the bathroom and there was a table of men over here and um, she got up to go. She'd gone to the bathroom by herself before, you know, all the things and it changed, like the energy changed and I could see them looking at her in, in a certain type of way. I happened to be a little bit aggressive and, uh, and so I just got up and went with her. Um, but it's those kinds of things that then give us pause in creating boundaries or feeling as though we need to have boundaries and we need to communicate them uh, to the people around us, right? And it's difficult because we don't want to walk around guarded all the time, but we also don't want around want to walk around the feeling as though the world is dangerous and is going to come and get us. And so it's, it's kind of finding that balance. Um, and then on top of that, we throw in that people pleasing. I don't want people to think I'm a problem. I don't want people to, uh, you know, I don't want to be an issue. Uh, I have worked with, unfortunately, uh, so many women who have had unwanted workplace sexual advances. And a lot of times, because we are in a work environment and we want to be valued for the quality of our work and what we're doing, um, it feels like a nuisance to have someone then, you know, giving us extra attention that we don't necessarily want 
And having to set that boundary or having to communicate that to HR or a supervisor or whatever creates this extra layer, like I said, of shame of challenges where it makes it difficult for us to ask for our needs and to say, I don't want this attention. I am just coming to work to do a job. Oftentimes, uh, you know, what I, what I have when working with clients, they've talked about like having to dress down, not getting ready, not doing their makeup, all of those things to war- to kind of ward off these unwanted advances. And again, they're just trying to do a job. And so these are ways in which women specifically, but not exclusively, have to traverse the environment around them and set up those boundaries for unwanted sexual advances. And, you know, I, <laughs> I think about, um, you know, workplace environments, school environments, um, even just being out in the world, it makes it very difficult for us to just be human beings uh, if we are constantly having to be hyper aware of the dangers of being just beings and someone looking at us as just sexual objects. Um, And so I I wanted to to make sure that that is part of the conversation in terms of setting those boundaries or even being aware of how we feel when we are engaging in certain spaces. you know, last time I talked kind of in an ideal way of like who we share our bodies with and where and when. Um, the unfortunate situation is that so many women are, and women in general, are targeted and seen in these ways that they are not choosing. And in certain, you know, cultures and countries, they're not even seen as human beings, they're only seen as sexual objects. Um, and so I didn't want to leave that not talked about um, as part of the conversation uh, because it is a it's a very significant piece of how we see ourselves and how we then set up boundaries around that and so again it's part of the conversation um, and it's it's an unfortunate part that we have to communicate with 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 our littles both male and female about how to perceive our worth and value outside of whether or not we're seen as attractive, whether or not we're seen as, um, you know, a potential sexual partner. Um, it is a significant part of how we are raising human beings to recognize that there is more to a little girl than how cute she is, right? Uh, a while back, my brother, who has a daughter who's seven or eight, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, we had a conversation about how we, we don't want to really focus so much on uh, how cute she is. She is adorable. But, um, you know, we were talking about different kinds of ways to compliment a child that isn't based on their looks. And um, then he was like, and we can't tell her she's just smart. Because I was like, well, the sun came out. <laughs> she is smart. But, you know, he wanted to highlight like, that she's good at problem solving or she's curious or, um, you know, she is really kind. Um, So there's a lot of other things that we can focus on when talking to, you know, little humans and making it less about what they look like or their attractiveness. Um, And I think those conversations are important. Um, In raising a daughter, I did not want to focus on certain specific gender roles. Uh, I never gave her a doll. She was not, she didn't gravitate towards them. She gravitated towards like trucks and playing outside and all the things. 
Um, but that was, it was a very important thing to me to make sure that it wasn't just like, you know, certain gender roles that, that I was um, giving her as her only options. Um, and however you do that with your kids, that's your business, all the things. Um, but I do want to really talk about how complimenting human beings, even, even in dating, right? Like, I think um, I was on swipe apps for a long time. And it got to the point where I was really frustrated when people would only focus on my attractiveness. Um, I have a lot of other qualities to offer the world. And so if that's, you know, the, the one compliment that you're giving me, um, then I'm not super going to engage in that conversation. When it comes to seeing worth and value outside of someone finding you attractive, um, how we feel about ourselves is how we elevate the standard of those compliments or how we are interacting in a you know, potential dating situation. That being said, it's also how we then connect further within a relationship. Um, if the partnership is you know, functioning and we're all playing a role and we're all you know, getting along and things are great, um, it's not problematic and you're not likely to go to therapy um, to talk about it. If things are not going well, and one of the things that drops off obviously is um, sexual connection um, for a lot of reasons, right? And and like I said last time, like things change over time um, and certainly adding children and um, bills and the stresses of um, work, all of those things, come into place in a relationship. And if we're not communicating consistently, um, oftentimes then we are not going to share that intimate space um, in a healthy or good way. Um, and so it's one of those things to think about when we're in long-term relationships and setting boundaries or communicating our capacity for sexual interaction and connection um, a lot of times the, the issues that are in the bedroom are not in the bedroom. They're just kind of showing up in the bedroom. Um, and because a lot of times people are in their heads or they're dealing with other things or they're not really like, that's not the main focus of the interaction. Um, it becomes problematic without being the problem. And so when we are setting boundaries or when we are really kind of stepping into that sexual awareness, that's where, you know, we can start to have conversations. Again, we don't talk about sex in the bedroom. We talk about it outside of the bedroom. And we talk about, like, what we are wanting to accomplish when we are connecting in those intimate ways. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's an opportunity to really check in with yourself and really recognize, like, what does sexual interaction mean to me? How does it make me feel? Where do I get to... Um, express and with whom, you know, those needs that I have or how I want to connect in an intimate way or I want to feel connected to my partner. Um, if I am, you know, super anxious or really stressed out about work or feeling insecure because I just had a baby or, you know, I've gained some weight or I've lost a bunch of weight and I don't want to feel vulnerable in that way, how do I communicate with that with my partner? in a way that is healthy and, and um, connective, right? Um, all of those things, like I said, it's a big topic and there's so much going on that it's difficult to 
piece it out and organize it in a way that makes sense, or at least like we are connected with. Um, and so I wanted to give you a lot of more, a lot more context, um, certainly so that you have different ways of recognizing how this boundary is showing up in your life and how it is and continues to be uh, a growing conversation that you're having both in an awareness way with yourself, but also with the people that we want to connect with. And so if you're coming from that place of, I don't want to be a problem, I do want you know to be validated, loved, and accepted by my partner, um, how am I going to be able to share what's going on in my inner world, in my space, in my head, and in my heart so that we can build connection and we can you know, enjoy the parts of our relationship that we're good at one time. I think, um, and I've certainly talked about it before when we talked about um, codependency and relationships, oftentimes we are so uh, connected with oxytocin and hormone-driven, you know, dopamine, all the things, like we want to, to not, you know, we can't get enough of each other. Um, and certainly with time, those, those physiochemicals like aren't as significant. Um, but we still want to be present with the people that we are choosing to share our intimate spaces with and, and you know, certain parts of our lives. Um, it's important to recognize that once those physiochemicals aren't the focus, right, we start to pay attention to the quality of relationship that we are having and are we communicating in a way that is healthy and, and positive for connection. If all we, all we are focused on is how often we're having sex and how great the sex is, um, or, you know, I, I, we should probably have the sex so we don't have a fight. Like I said, it, it, it gets very messy. And if we're not having sex and then there's fights, oftentimes sex is used as leverage in a relationship, um, which is not a good thing. Uh, really recognizing that if somebody is withholding sex, because they are not feeling seen, heard, validated, all those things, but they're not communicating that to you, how are you going to know? If you are, you know, grumpy and, and kind of stomping around the house because you haven't had sex, but you aren't asking for it, you're just assuming that the other person should know that this is what you want, that's also a problem. Uh, and so being able to set up a boundary or, or even communicate, like, I'm stressed about work, I've got all these other things, and it's not the first thing in my mind, um, how else can I communicate or connect with you? That's going to be an opportunity, right? I don't feel like doing certain sexual activities right now because I'm not feeling great about my body because I'm not, um, you know, I'm really focused on other things. Can we do other things? Like that's an opportunity for connection. That's an opportunity for communication. That's an opportunity for a boundary. If you are struggling with these things and you want to be able to fix them because the, the relationship is important. What I do recommend is obviously having conversations with your partner. Also, maybe, you know, employing a professional who can help you uh, do that more effectively. And really recognizing that having a therapist or someone that you can process these things with can increase your awareness of your own stuff. And then, um, then you can communicate that effectively with another person. Things change. Everything changes over time. And the things that used to be super important aren't as important. Um, you know, the, the things that are 
that you would like to revitalize or reconnect with, or um, certainly, you know, when it comes to like sexuality, you want to to reinvigorate in your life, is going to require conversation, is going to require communication, is going to require awareness within yourself. And if you have had past trauma or issues around sex before, um, you know, your current relationship, or you just haven't really thought about it, or it, it then becomes an issue, because that's the other thing. Sometimes it shows up years and years later, and then it, it is in the forefront of your mind, having an opportunity to communicate that with a therapist or, um, you know, someone that can help you to work through those things that then you can communicate all of those things are going to be important when it comes to setting boundaries and really recognizing what your needs are around that time. So wasn't sure what I was going to talk about today and it all just came flooding out. Um, so those, those are nuggets. Hopefully they're helpful for you to kind of process through how you feel about yourself. Um, what your history is in terms of sexual interaction, uh, what you're focused on in terms of being a people pleaser and, and how it limits you from really having your own agency over your body. All of those things are interactive in setting those boundaries or really recognizing there's a level of shame. Um, and being aware of like what makes you feel uncomfortable, what your needs are, where you feel most comfortable or where you don't feel comfortable at all um, is an opportunity for you to kind of speak up for yourself and recognize, like, I don't like this. I don't want this. This is not, you know, what I signed up for. Um, I do want to be valued for something more than what I look like. All of those are conversations to have. Like I said, big topic. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here on Instagram, and then I'm going to wrap up the podcast. I do have um, some things to finish up on uh, the boundaries, and then I will publish them. And then uh, wrapping up the other parts of uh, the book and uh, hoping to uh, manage relapse and all of the other things. Um, as I continue to, you know, come back to my space and myself, um, especially with all of these new awarenesses, it is a challenge. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. Um, it's really good to see all of you on here. And if you have an opportunity to listen to the podcast, please like, follow, subscribe, all the things. Uh, making videos on TikTok. And if TikTok goes away, we still have Instagram. <laughs> I don't news, so I'm not paying attention to any of that. Um, but it's really good to see all of you, and I will talk to you next week. Take care. All right, we are ending the video recording on Instagram. We are ending the podcast here. Lots of things to talk about um, as it relates to the sex boundary and really increasing our awareness of how we feel about ourselves and how we are interacting with other people. Hopefully uh, there's some helpful topics and things to kind of stimulate your brain around that subject. And um, like I said, I will be posting other things on all social media platforms. So Facebook, it's Luna X2 LLC, Luna underscore X2 LLC on um, Instagram and LX2 underscore COD underscore coaching podcast. Um, and if you need to get a hold of me, it's lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. I will talk to you soon. Take care.